What up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 271 of Combos Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button if you're listening on that Apple Podcast app. Drop a comment. Let me know how you feel about this episode. Let me know how you feel about the show. Leave a five-star rating as well. And if you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, punch down on that follow button. I think it's actually a follow button now on the Apple Podcast app. Share this episode with a friend. Share it on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Share it on Instagram. Share it on your Instagram stories and tag me at 1-2-Combo on IG. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Check out the Combos Court Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the description for that. Today's show, Kyle Boone of CBS Sports joins in to talk NBA draft and more. A fantastic conversation with Kyle. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Kyle underscore underscore Boone. That's K-Y-L-E underscore underscore B-O-O-N-E. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. of CBS Sports. Welcome back to Combos Court, man. How you been? How you feeling? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back on the show. It's been a it's been a hot minute. It's been a while. It's great to have yeah. you back on to talk NBA draft and more. Um, you know, the NIL college athletes can now profit off their name, image, and likeness. What impact do you feel this has on college basketball and the alternative paths? It's going to be big. Um, we'll wait to see how this shakes out at the college level. Um, but we're seeing, you know, different forks in the road, different paths for high school players. Now, um, you know, the G league is the G league ignite program is entering its second year. Um, and I think it was by all accounts, probably a, a, a smashing success with Jalen green and Jonathan Kaminga, um, you know, likely to be top five picks in, in this month's draft. Um, the overtime elite, uh, league is still kind of up and coming, um, it has already started its kind of recruitment process, and that is looking like a pretty enticing option for players as well. They're going to be able to profit, um, and, and that is an alternative to college. And now uh, with the NIL uh, moving in and, and effective on July 1st, that's going to be another route where I think it's probably the most enticing of the options because, you know, not only you get the exposure of, of playing at the college level, you, if you're going to Kentucky or Duke or Kansas, you're going to be on national television every night, but also um, you're going to have a chance to seriously cash in on, on your worth, your market value. Um, yeah. I don't know if it's going to be contracts necessarily, but you know, in the way that um, the G league or the overtime elite is um, I, I think it's probably going to end up being like sponsorships um, and uh, you know, things like that. And, and probably like social media and, and, you know, we have, there's so many followers for a lot of these blue chip players that they'll be able to say, okay, we'll charge you X amount of money and I'll be able to kind of pump up your brand. Um, but I do think it's going to be a lot of money, especially for some of these top guys. So kind of a roundabout way of saying this is, this is a good thing for, for college athletics. I think it, it kind of levels the playing field. And now, you know, all those people who were probably saying, Oh, college basketball is, is, is dead as we know it. 
um, you know, now this is a, this is a really good thing for college basketball to, you know, kind of compete with some of these up and coming uh, programs who obviously over the past few years have been able to pay some of these high, high recruited players and some of these blue chippers. Yeah, it's fascinating. Everything going towards alternative paths, college basketball gets some of its price back a little bit. Yeah, yeah I think that, I think that's right. And again, it, it just just I mean, it's not an apples to apples comparison with the G League and, and college basketball, but you can or even or even the G League to overtime because that's right. like different age groups, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but still, you have to look at the G League is super enticing. Jalen Green made hundreds of thousands of dollars last year. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he's even tweeted recently, he said, you know, if, if I had gone to college, I think the number one pick race would, would look a lot different right now. And I, it's hard to disagree with him um, because I think the exposure that you get at the college level, that is a machine that has been years and years and years and decades um, in the making. And the G yeah. League is still just kind of up and coming. And so um, eventually I do think the G League is going to be one of those things where it's just like, okay, you're, you're going to see these guys on television every night. Some of these players are going to be top five picks. Um, but college is what it is, and I don't think it's going anywhere. I, it, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, I think Jalen Green is right. And, you know, there was some recency bias when, you know, Suggs was on TV playing with Gonzaga, that whole storyline. It definitely helped Suggs uh, get a higher, you know, draft range than Green. But I do think Green has, has a higher ceiling, and I, would, I always had Green over Suggs, but I think they're both going to be good. Yeah, I'm I'm a green over Suggs guy. Uh, that's a fairly recent switch. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and I, I had some. I think it's probably in part because I watched Jalen Suggs every single night during the college basketball season. Love, yeah, just yeah. His, just his competitive energy, um, right? And it's not like okay, you know, this is a tight game. Look how locked in he is. It's like okay, we're playing Pepperdine and we're up thirty points, and he's crashing the boards and just doing all the dirty work, like. Just his mentality, like his his competitive nature, um, I think he translates to become an NBA starting point guard. But Jalen Green, if you're if you're drafting based on who has the higher ceiling, which that's kind of my philosophy when I'm talking about some of the top guys in the draft, um, I, I think Jalen Green probably has a higher ceiling. He's just a fantastic scorer. The athleticism, you know, uh, just just a crazy leaper. Uh, could play both ends of the floor. He's the guy who I think, you know, has a slight edge over Suggs. But both of those guys are going in the top four in this draft. Yeah. Speaking of highest ceiling, who has the highest ceiling in this draft? Like, we all know Cade probably has the highest floor. Like, he's going to be a really, really good NBA player. And he has a high ceiling as well. Would you say he has the highest ceiling or is it somebody else in the draft, would you say? I'm going to go curveball. I think it's Evan Mobley. Wow. I think it's Evan Mobley. Um I talked to someone here recently who's, who's doing some evaluating for teams and it's obviously Cade Cunningham. They, they're convinced Cade is the best prospect in this class. And then it's Evan Mobley. And Evan Mobley is the guy who always comes up as the, are we sure he's not the number one pick in this year's draft? Mm. And, you know, at first I'm like, I'm filed that away. Like, you know, maybe it means something, maybe it doesn't. He's seven foot. He, the way he moves is, is like a wing. Um, he's a fantastic shot blocker. Obviously, we know that from his time at USC. He can finish above the rim. The, the shot creation that he showed, some passing stuff. Uh, I, I think he's a guy who, like, could play wing at seven foot. Like, call me crazy, but just like – He has those skills. Of, he has that skill set, yeah. So he's kind of a unicorn. Um, 
Now, I, I still think Cade is a potential all-star down the line. Uh, I'm super high on Jalen Green, who we talked about. But Evan Mobley, you know, in five years, we might look back and say, like, how did he go number four in this draft or whatever? Like, I think he has a chance to have the highest ceiling of all the players in this draft. I haven't heard anybody agree with me on this yet, but if <sighs> I was Houston, I would take Scotty Barnes at two. Oh, that's spicy. I like it. You know, there's yeah. there's a lot of Scotty Barnes uh, movement right now. So let, make, make, make your case at number two. All right. So I usually like to go best available, and there's a case that he's not the best available. But I yeah. do like the fit with him, KPJ, and Christian Wood. I think that fit is really nice. You know, and I'm not mad at Jalen Green or Evan Mobley there. Like, Jalen Green could, has really high upside. He's really explosive. And if you give him all those reps first year, I think that's really great. Like, what they did with Poku, and I think he'll be even better than Poku as a first-year player, obviously. Yes. But just getting all those reps would be great. And I see the Evan Mobley thing. You know, you could have two versatile bigs. But I kind of like Christian Wood and Scotty Barnes because and KPJ because KPJ and Scotty Barnes could – both initiate offense and Christian yep. Wood is such a great lob target and a pick and pop target. And Scotty Barnes has, you know, Evan Mobley's a great passer, but Scotty Barnes, I think is even a better passer. And I oh, just like sure. that. And I just like that mix with them three. I just could picture it. And I think it'll be great. And I think it's a nice young core and Christian Wood is a little bit outside of their timeline, but I just like that yeah. three as a fit as a mix. And I'm not mad at anybody saying, you know, Evan Mobley's best available. Jalen Green's best available. I could yeah. see that. But also, I had Scotty Barnes in my top five a while ago, so I don't think he's that far off from being yeah. best available. That's my thoughts on it. I don't think anybody in the world agrees with me, but if it was me and I was Houston, I would take Scotty Barnes at number two. No, I, I don't think you're crazy, um, especially there's, there's been a lot of Scotty Barnes moving up draft boards, and I think it's probably been happening for a while, but uh, after the combine, I think it's pretty clear. He's, he's going to be probably, uh, for sure, a top six pick, and, and maybe top five, top four um, in this draft. Now, Houston, you know, if I'm Houston, I'm probably not making decisions based off Christian Wood. Uh, fantastic player. Okay. Right. But um, I, you know, if I'm Houston, I'm just saying, okay, I'm going to take the best player and hope that, you know, that's ideally I would like to go backcourt, either Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green. But that's. Uh, yeah, I know. But Scotty, I, would, but Scotty I, I like Scott. I like Suggs. I wouldn't go Suggs there, me personally. Yeah. And I don't think he'll go there. Yeah. Um, but, but the Scotty case is super interesting. I could see him going in this draft anywhere between three and six. And I don't think he, he goes anywhere, but between three and six, like if he's there at number six for the thunder, okay. So he's making a call like right away. Yeah. I wanted to shift to combine because combine is such <clears throat> an interesting thing. How much stock do you put in athletic testing? How much stock mm -hmm. do you put in interviews? I mean, we are in the talent business, right? A guy could interview great, but if you can't play basketball, you can't play basketball. But some guys that really helped, like a guy I was really high on, Bones Highlander really helped him, Quentin Grimes, um, even Scotty Barnes, who didn't play because he interviewed so well. And, you know, you just kind of, you see his uh, wingspan. And how much stock do you put into athletic testing and interviews? And who do you think were some of the biggest winners? Um, a tiny bit, not a lot. Um, I, you know, I, I do think the scrimmages are, impactful and they're meaningful because you can see what they look like against NBA athleticism. Um, I also think some of the, the measurements and like the, the strength and agility stuff is useful. Um, I wouldn't say it's like, okay, a bones Highland, you know, scored 30 points in eight seconds. I'm moving him up 30 spots or whatever. But I do think that, you know, some of the measurement stuff I take into account, like Max Ace 
measuring at like five, 10 and a half was, was not great. And I think that kind of took the wind out of any first round sales that he might've had. Um, I, I take that into account pretty heavily. Um, Deuce McBride was another interesting one that not necessarily he's moving up my board, but he's six foot one, but he has nearly a six foot nine wingspan. Like that's pretty interesting to me. Um, and maybe kind of validates, I, I maybe use it as confirmation bias. Like, okay, I'm trusting uh, what I'm seeing on the court. And, and I like that he's super long and can defend. Um, you know, I don't use it as, you know, kind of a, an end all be all, but it does kind of guide me at least in some way um, in terms of, of how I do my rankings and how I evaluate some of these guys. I want to shift to Franz Wagner, uh, Franz yeah. Wagner. There you go. Wagner, yes. <laughs> Wagner. Um, what do you think his draft range is? I guess it's right out of that, like, right after that Kaminga, Scotty Barnes area, right? Where he'll mm -hmm. probably get drafted. What teams do you think will be targeting him? And what kind of NBA player do you think he will be? Yeah, so his range, I think, is probably going to be between 7 and 14. Okay. I think he will definitely be in the lottery. Um, I definitely think he's not one of the top six guys right now. Um, in terms of what he's going to be in the NBA, I think he's going to be a great player. Um, team that makes the most sense to me in terms of fit and why I have him mocked here is, is number nine uh, to the Sacramento Kings. Um, six foot nine kind of combo forward slash guard slash big who can defend at a super high level. Um, he's, he's still just a teenager. Um, I, I think the defense is going to translate right away. And so there's going to be a team, you know, probably in the lottery that decides, okay, we want to, we want to grab someone who is going to make an impact um, very early. I think that's probably Franz Wagner, despite him being super young. Um, the, the shot I think is kind of maybe his, his swing skill. Now he shot 34.3% from three last season. So uh, pretty good. I'm not entirely sure I trust it all the way, but again, he's still super young and I think there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, the, the, the warriors would make a lot of sense. And, and I think that would be a pretty interesting fit, uh, at number seven or at number 14. I'm not sure he makes it that far, but, um, just in terms of his role, I, I think it's pretty obvious that he's, he's going to be, you know, kind of a, a three guard in the NBA who's, who's probably going to start and, and play, you know, kind of the three and D type role, um, at the NBA level. I don't think he's an all-star, but he's a very, very good NBA player. Do you think the Warriors even want to draft a player this year? <laughs> I mean, no, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I think, you know, in a perfect world, they package the seven and 14 and, and Wiseman and just go and get Brad Beal um, or someone who can help yeah. them on offense because Curry was just completely overwhelmed last season. Um, just, he just needs help. Um, you know, there's been a report here recently I believe it's from the athletic that uh, that the Warriors are considering using the seventh pick and James Wiseman, who was last year's number two pick, um, to potentially package in and try to get, you know, some someone who is available on the trade market. I'm not entirely sure what they can get. The, the tough part is I think they can get two really good players at 7 and 14 in this draft. Even if I get, you know, they want to try and win right away next season and they don't want to squander, yeah. uh, you know, kind of the prime of, of Curry's career. But I still think that they can get two really good players. And, and Wagner would be one that I would keep an eye on because – uh, just, you know, despite his youth, again, I, I still think he's a, a guy who can come in and compete uh, and make a difference for even a contending team like the Warriors. Like the NBA is crazy right now. I think you can win with like three veterans at a 
few rookies, you know, helping in the way the NBA, this playoffs has been insane. So who knows what could happen? You could probably win a championship with Franz Wagner. You know what I mean? <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah. And like Wagner's like kind of an interesting case too, because he, he was a pro uh, even before he came to Michigan. Right. And so he played uh, several years overseas, became, you know, kind of a really highly touted recruit came to Michigan and as a freshman was clearly on the NBA draft radar, but decided to come back as a sophomore and he wasn't, you know, a superstar at Michigan. Um, but that Wolverines team was, was absolutely amazing. They were dominant on defense. He was in no small part, a huge reason uh, for that just because of his defensive versatility and uh, the, the way he is such a playmaker on defense, I think really stood out. So um, he's an interesting case just because Wagner specifically, like, among guys who are going to go in this range, he's the guy who I think like, oh, yeah, this guy can come in and, and compete and, and make a difference very, very early in his NBA career. Yeah, I want to shift to two lesser known prospects, even though they're known because they were in the night with with Kaminga and Green, uh, Isaiah yeah. Todd and Dacia Nix. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dacia Nix, he came in in shape. That was a question mark for him. He didn't really impress in the five on five, so it could kind of go both ways with his draft stock. And Isaiah Todd, I heard interviewed incredibly. We we don't know how much stock we put in uh, into interviews as we already discussed. But where yeah. do you think the draft range is for these two guys? Could Isaiah Todd get into the first round? Where do you think Dacia Nix will be drafted? And yeah, just your thoughts on those two prospects. Todd is an interesting one. Um, I have him ranked higher than Dacia Nix right now. Um, he was pretty productive yeah. with the G League Ignite team. And he had, and he had a big moment, right? He had a game yeah. 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 And, um, you know, in the, in the G League Ignite season, I think he averaged a little over 12 points per game. So nothing to, you know, kind of turn your nose at. He showed some stuff shooting three-point shot that I thought was – Pretty impressive, and obviously that's that's going to be super key to him carving out a role in the NBA. I, I think you know just because he's super tall and and right now he's super thin, uh, he's going to need to be able to step out and and make threes at a decently respectable clip to I think find an NBA role. So uh, I think that's really important. I would I would guess Todd probably doesn't go in the first round. Uh, his range to me is probably thirty five to fifty. Um, he has a chance to get, you know, in the, in the range where he gets a guaranteed deal. Um, that's, uh, that's my guess. I don't, I don't think he's necessarily on the rise right now, but there was some times at the G league ignite last season where I'm like, this guy doesn't belong. Um, he, he, he looked completely out of place and he, to his credit, I think he really improved throughout the season and, um, and really kind of rebounded his NBA draft stock. So I, I think he gets drafted. Um, but I don't think it's going to be in the first round. Dacia Nix is, is the other uh, interesting one to me because a lot like Todd, Nix was good in spurts uh, with the G League Ignite. But so he came in and he was hefty, uh, I guess you could say. He was not in shape. And that was a huge knock, I think, for talent evaluators who watched that G League Ignite team. They thought that he just wasn't ready to play. And um, him being completely out of shape was a huge turnoff. And so came to the combine. He looked trimmed down. I'm not entirely sure how many, how many pounds he, he shed, but he looked to be in a little bit better shape. I think that's encouraging for his draft stock. Don't think he's going to be a first rounder. I was, I was pretty high on him coming into the G league season. I uh, thought that he could be a, a potential first rounder, but I'm not entirely sure. I see it right now. Um, I, I think he's got some good passing skills Obviously, I think the size is is uh, to his benefit so long as he can, you know, kind of stay in shape. 
Um, but yeah, like I think his range is probably uh, similar to Todd's, maybe in the like 40 to 60 range. Uh, I think it's more likely he gets drafted than not, but I don't think it's guaranteed at this point. Yeah, he came in in better shape. He did really good in the three-fourth sprint. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they say, you know, it's, it's a better indicator than the bench press, right? They got rid of the bench press. Yep. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. <laughs> All right, so I wanted to shift to the Knicks. They obviously need a point guard. What are some point guards that you think will still be on the board at that point that the Knicks could draft that could help them? Okay, so my first and my, and my favorite potential pick is Jared Butler out of Baylor. Okay. Um, now there's some questions with Jared Butler. Um, Unfortunately, yeah. Because he's been put into a program where it sounds like the NBA is evaluating him medically and he was not able to participate uh, at all in the combine so he he was flagged but uh this yeah. is a guy who Wait, actually i don't even think he he would have been available at uh at that time right like before right. do that yeah 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 and so we'll we'll see what happens here but um assuming he he gets cleared and i don't even think that's a guarantee he's he's one of my favorite prospects he's he's a, a lottery guy for me who talent wise if he's healthy I think he's he's one of the 14 best players in this draft. Uh, just a, just a complete passer, scorer, yeah. uh, defender. Uh, shot last season for the title winning Bears. Shot 41.6 percent from three point range. Um, Smooth game Mitchell, too. Smooth yeah, game. yeah, yeah. Davion Mitchell got a, a lot of buzz last season for Baylor, but uh, and rightfully so. He's he's a fantastic defender. He can get downhill at you really, really, really quick. Um, but Jared Butler, to me, I think is is the guy who who might be that dude that coming from that Baylor team that has a, a more impactful NBA career. Um, just the vision that he has, uh, the the dribbling skills. Like I think he is a guy who's going to be fantastic value. Again, assuming he's healthy and is cleared to play, um, he's a guy who I think can help a, a team that's contending for a playoff spot like the Knicks are. Um, and I think he could he could carve out meaningful minutes um, at the point guard position. Um, here's another one that I'll throw at you and, and I'm curious to see what your thoughts are, but, uh, Trey Mann is the guy that, that continuously comes up for me as someone that I continuously be, I'm always higher on, um, than, than most. What's your, Uh, what's your favorite part of his game? Shooting. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, like there's some passing stuff that, that you saw from him, um, at Florida and he's, he's, he calls himself a point guard. Right. So I mean, but he's a bucket getter. Yeah, he's a bucket getter, and yeah. like the um, the comparison, even 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 dating back to high school. Now everyone says this, I feel like, so it's it's somewhat cliche, but the comparison that he likes for himself is Stephen Curry. Now he doesn't he he's obviously not that type of shooter. Otherwise, we're talking about someone who's clearly a top five player in this draft. Um, but he's got great range. I think his his pull up game is pretty impressive. Uh, he improved last season as a as a shooter, hit 402 percent. From the three-point line as a sophomore, um, late in the season as a sophomore, he really emerged for Florida as like their go-to guy. He was their go-to creator, their scorer. Florida uh, made a little run in the NCAA tournament, and that was a huge part of uh, of of man's doing. And so, I, I like his size. You know, he's six foot five. I, I think probably if if the Knicks are going to take him, they got to hope that okay, this guy is more than just a you know microwave scorer off the bench. We hope that he can make guys better as a passer. And to this point, we've really haven't seen that yet. Um, that's kind of the swing skill that I think could keep him uh, from going in the lottery in this draft. Yeah, 
if I'm going that route, I might go Bones Highland. Sure. Yeah. And I don't hate that either, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bones Highland guy, he got a New York City game too. He's not from New York, but I think he would be an interesting fit there. Um, he's been a sleeper for mine for a long time. Like even when he, I didn't even see him on mocks. I didn't even know what was going on. Now he's yeah. climbed. Um, so he's no longer a sleeper or under, under the radar guy. No. So I'd like to ask you who are some sleepers or field guys that are undervalued. I like Sandro from Seton Hall. I think his skill set mm-hmm. is really nice for the, his size. Yep. Who are some guys that you think will go second round or who are under the radar at this point? Sleeper draft picks. Um, so <clears throat> this is the, the one I've kept in my pocket here. And I, and I hope this will qualify. Otherwise, I'm going to have to give you another one. It's, it's Miles McBride for me. Okay. Um, we had him as a first rounder during the college basketball season just because the the shooting uh, the shot making and uh and the defense i mean he's he's just kind of an all-around complete uh, point guard um he's six foot two uh, measured six foot one without shoes at the combine and that's you know maybe a tiny bit of a knock but again the the wingspan was like around six foot nine at the, at the combine um he's super tough he's a great defender on the ball uh, the, the shot making, the passing, like, I think he has a little bit of everything. He's, he's probably more of a one and a half or a two guard. I don't know if he's, you know, he's not a fantastic creator. He's, he's not the guy like, you know, um, Sharif Cooper or Josh Giddy. like the, the passing vision and the creativity isn't quite there. Um, but in terms of just his offensive skill set, I think it's, it's pretty complete. And, um, again, we, we have him going in the first round. Um, he's going to end up being like top 20 on our updated big mm. board next week. And so, uh, I, I'm not entirely sure that ball is in your sleeper category, but, uh, he's one that I think is, is rising pretty quickly and, and will quickly no longer be considered uh, a rise or a, a sleeper in this draft. Any second round guys you like that should go second round. You never know. <laughs> yeah. Um, David Duke is no, okay. interesting to me. Um, yeah. Providence. I heard he's another guy. I've been high on these interviews. I heard he interviewed really well. <laughs> That's good because yeah. he did not play particularly well at the combine. Um, you know what I've been hearing about him though, that he's actually a lot higher on NBA decision makers draft boards than maybe like media, you know? Yeah. And that's what I've heard too. It, it depends on how you view David Duke. Like I, I see him more as like a, a point guard, like a, like a lead guard, uh, someone who's maybe going to be a backup point guard in the NBA um, he, he's got some really interesting stuff. Like he's a really good pull-up shooter. Uh, some of the shot making that he showed it at Providence, he was kind of like there, okay, this didn't work. This didn't work. This didn't work. Let's give it to David with five seconds on the shot clock and see if he can create something. And more than likely he did. Um, he's kind of like their bailout guy. Um, but six foot five, I mean, has, has fantastic size for, for an NBA guard. Um, someone who is always, based off what I've seen has always been kind of in that second round discussion, but he's someone that I really, really like as a, as a potential second round guy, because I think the skill set, the shooting uh, now he didn't perform well at the combine. I think we got to keep that in mind, but overall from what I saw at Providence, uh, he's someone that I really like in this draft. Yeah. Game tape is always more important than combine. I mean, you got, you got all this video to look at and these teams, once they really zero in on a player, they're watching every single minute almost, you know? Yeah. and speaking of measurement, is Sharif Cooper really like six eight? Because I, I, that's <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. well, he was he was listed at like what six four with shoes on or something crazy. Yeah, yeah. So he's, I mean, I think he's like six foot one, but came okay. in measured like six foot four. Um, I think we've collectively decided it's a typo, but like the NBA didn't come out and be like, yeah, this was a typo. So 
maybe he is six foot four, or maybe the NBA just decide, you know, uh, we're not, we're not going to issue a correction. I, I don't know, but the guy's not six foot four. I can tell you that. <laughs> Kyle, man, this was great. It's always great talking basketball with you. You're always welcome back on the show. Where can we find you on social media and everywhere else? Uh, I'm on Twitter mostly, uh, Kyle double underscore Boone. And, uh, I'll be tweeting some stuff leading up to the draft. Um, some work coming up. I got top 100 CBS sports, big board coming on Monday, filed that yesterday. And, uh, that'll be kind of a complete picture overview of kind of what we learned from the draft combine and, uh, some of these guys that we, that we hit on, including Deuce McBride. Okay. And, uh, and uh, I'm trying to think some of the others, Scotty Barnes will be in that mix. So yeah, that'll be, that'll be coming out on, on Monday. So keep an eye on that. Yep. Used to draft Scotty Barnes at two, man. Come on, <laughs> get it together. <laughs> Kyle, you're always welcome back on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time and talk soon. Appreciate you combo. All right. We'll see you. Anytime. There it is. There it is. There it is. Another episode of Combos Court Podcast. Big shouts to Kyle for joining in. And thank you to everyone who listens to Combos Court across the globe. Combo Nation, don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button. If you're listening on the Apple Podcast app, leave a five-star rating and a friendly comment. Would be great to hear your feedback. And share this episode, man. Share it with a friend. Share it on social media, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook. Share it on your IG stories and tag me at 1-2-COMBO. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. A great way to support this podcast is to join in as a Combos Court Patreon member. I'll leave a link in the description for that. And be on the lookout for episode 272. Combo out.